Get ready for unique, rare, and little-known treasures from the golden age of radio. You're listening to The Amazing World of Radio with Adam Graham. Welcome to The Amazing World of Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Well, it's time for a Frank Graham episode, and this one is Yarns for Yanks, and the title is The Most Honorable Augustus. Yarns for Yanks. Yarns for Yanks. Your favorite stories as spun by your favorite stars. Our yarn spinner on this edition is radio's famous storyteller, Frank Graham. Hiya, men. It's a yarn about an old grafter this trip, one I dug up and thought you'd like. It's called The Very Honorable Augustus. Curtain. <laughs> corner of the Annandale Fairgrounds, a soiled and patched banner announced in large letters to a small group of curious townspeople that here was the thrill of the century for just one dollar. Beneath the banner, the gray-vested, top-hatted figure of Augustus Vanderbilt Whipple stood on an apple box. He pulled a gold watch fob from his pocket, twirled it at the end of its massive chain, and addressed the crowd. Ladies and gentlemen, proud citizens of Annandale, we have here the miracle of the modern age. The aeroplane. You can fly like a bird, soar like an unfettered eagle among the clouds, and all, all with the safety of sitting in an armchair at home. Take the little lady for a ride. See the city from the air for only a dollar. One dollar for a ride you'll never forget. Augustus Whipple looked out over the crowd. Twenty or thirty upturned faces were blank. Come, come, citizens of Bannondale. The blue sky calls. It's only a dollar. crowd began to drift away. Whipple put the watch fob back in his pocket and adjusted his hat nervously. Fly like the birds. Ride the sky. Fifty cents. Still no takers. He stepped down off the box and took off his hat and looked into it. Mr. Whipple always looked into his hat when things went wrong. From the dilapidated old biplane parked close by, a voice called impatiently. Well, Professor, what's the matter? Where are the customers? Professor Whipple was about to turn around when a shabbily dressed man stepped up, put a hand on his arm. Um, do you, do you own that airplane? Whipple looked him up and down. I am the vice president of the corporation owning that graceful craft. What can I do for you? The man drew back. Well, I, I, I've got to get my son to a hospital in the city tonight. Whipple straightened up and buttoned his coat. Emergency, huh? Bring the lad. Bring him at once. We'll have him in the city in the twinkling of an eye. For just, um, fifty dollars. At the mention of the fifty dollars, the man looked down at the ground, put his hands in his pockets. I, uh, haven't got fifty dollars. I, I can pay you later. Augustus Whipple snorted. Huh! 
How do you expect us to fly our plane without money? This is a business concern, sir. Cash in advance. Bring the money, we'll do the business. Stranger said nothing. He stood looking at the ground for a moment, then turned and started to walk away. Quipple rubbed his fingernails and sleeve of his coat and watched the man go. He mumbled to himself. Fifty dollars, a small fortune. Sick brat, no dough, fine kettle of fish. Jammed his thumbs into his vest pocket. I say, hold on, my friend, come back here. The shabby one looked over his shoulder, hopefully. Don't be in such a hurry, my good fellow. We may be able to work out something. The man turned around and came back. Could you... Do you, do you think there's some way? I, I could pay you. I, I've got a job coming up. I, I could pay you then. Whipple rubbed his chin thoughtfully. Uh, what's the matter with the kid? Well, the doctor says it's paralysis. They, they won't let me see him. They say he's got to go to a city hospital or he ain't going to live. Look, mister, I, I got nothing. The kid's all I got in the world. And now maybe he's going to die because I can't do nothing for him. You understand, don't you? You know what it means to me? Whipple was about to speak when Jeff Andrews walked over from the plane. Hey, what's going on here, Professor? You're giving this guy a line of guff or selling tickets? He scowled at the stranger. Are you riding, mister, or just talking? The man stepped back before Jeff's menacing manner. Well, I, I, I was just talking to, to this man here. I've got to get my boy into the city tonight. He's in the hospital. Okay, bring him out. I'll fly him into town. It'll cost you 75 bucks in my expenses overnight. The man bit his lips and looked at Mr. Whipple. Jeff didn't get it. Well, what's the matter? Whipple assumed his most pompous manner and turned to Jeff. Jeff, uh, Jeff, my boy, it seems at this point, uh, this gentleman is um, financially embarrassed. I, I thought we might sort of uh, extend a little credit, if you know what I mean. Uh, bill him at the end of the month. He's a solid citizen. Excellent credit rating. A 10.4. Very high rating. Uh, now, Mr. Um, Mr. Jeff took off his helmet and jammed it into the pocket of his jacket. Don't give me that stuff. Credit? Go on. Get out of my way, Whipper, before I plant something in that fat face of yours. Jeff brushed past Augustus and walked off the field. The stranger looked after him as he disappeared. Whipple rubbed the back of his neck, took off his hat, and looked into it for a long time. Finally, he put it back in his head and straightened his coat. Um, what's your name, my friend? Hartman. Uh, Joe Hartman. Well, I, I wouldn't let that stuff my partner said worry. He's a trifle hot-headed. Flies off the handle. I'll tell you what you do. Bring your little boy out here this afternoon at two o'clock. And I'll see that he gets to the city. This was the first time he, Augustus Whipple, had ever turned soft and offered to put himself in a tight spot to help someone else. Hmm, maybe he was getting old. He drew a soiled deck of cards from his pocket and absently shuffled them in his fingers. Three aces slid out on top of the pack. The aces disappeared and three queens and two kings turned up. He put the cards back in his pocket. There was a little problem of getting Mr. Hartman's kid to the city. Hmm, $75. He dug in his pocket and extracted the content. A dime, three pennies, a skeleton key, and a Canadian nickel. He put the collection back in his pocket. Hmm, this was going to require some thought. He was rubbing his chin and idly inspecting the hole in the sole of one shoe when approaching footsteps caused him to look up. What he saw brought him to his feet quickly, fumbling to keep his hat on. It was the town marshal and a deputy. They stopped in front of him and Whipple cleared his throat. <clears> throat> Here, good day, gentlemen. Always glad to see the reassuring arm of the law. Two arms is twice as reassuring. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> what can I do for you? I mean, do you for do for you? 
Marshal came forward. Look, are you Augustus Vanderbilt, Pepper? Augustus buttoned his coat solemnly and cleared his throat. <clears throat> I am. I wonder what the meaning of this is. That's what we thought. You're the same fellow who come through here with the carnival last year, ain't you? Carnival? Carnival? A common road show? Never seen a carnival in my life. It was the last wish of my poor old mother when she died. Augustus, she said. Augustus. That's enough of that. I know you because I've seen you. You're lying. You were the fellow that cheated all our folks at the gambling game. Gambling? Do I look like a gambler, sir? Yes. Oh. I'll never forget a face, huh? That's right. And now I'm giving you two hours to get out of town. Two hours. You got that? Two hours. Twelve o'clock. Hmm. Yes, I, I guess I'll have to be running along, I guess. Just have time to catch the train. Well, well, nice to have met you, gentlemen. Nice to have seen you. Yes, indeed. Goodbye, gentlemen. And Augustus Vanderbilt Whipple walked away in the direction of town. That afternoon, at two o'clock, Jeff Andrews was standing in Augustus's place on the soapbox. His wrath over the disappearance of Augustus had abated as a crowd larger than they'd ever seen before began to gather on the field. Business was certainly picking up. Two o'clock and people were coming in from all sides. The whole town was turning out. Cars and endless streams lined the roads. Big cars, expensive cars. Jeff stood puzzled. Something was afoot that he didn't know anything about. These people hadn't come here to see his airplane. Whatever was causing the sudden rush to the fairgrounds, Jeff decided to take advantage of it. He picked up a megaphone and was about to address the crowd when an ambulance came down the road from town and swung onto the ground. Now what? Jeff watched as the driver and attendant climbed out and removed the stretcher. They carried it through the crowd to where he was standing. The stranger he'd seen with Augustus that morning was with him. The man stepped close to him. Well, well, we're ready to go. You're ready to go? You're what? Um, don't you remember me? I'm Mr. Hartman. Uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, uh, you know, that, that man that was here this morning with the, with the tall hat, the, the gray vest? Well, he said he'd fix it up for you to take my boy here to the city. He, he said he'd do it. Oh, he said he'd do it, did he? Have you got any money? Well, no, sir, I, I haven't. Not now. Of course, I told you about I'm getting a job. I can pay you then. But then this, this gentleman that I talked to this morning, he said, said I could, could pay him later. Oh, he did, did he? Well, that was mighty nice of him, wasn't it? Now, look, you just take your kid back the way you got him. I'm not in business for fun of it. I'm to fly and fly for money. Well, yes, I understand that you've got to make money, too, and it, it costs a lot to run your airplane, but... But look, mister, listen to me, my boy. I've got to get him to the hospital today. If I don't, he's likely to die. You heard me what I said, now scram. At this point, there was a movement in the crowd. Someone was pushing toward the front. I want side, please. Just a moment. Excuse me, lady. Let me through here. But thank you. Out of the way. Oh, oops. Pardon me, sir. Didn't mean to step on your foot. Excuse me, folks. Just let me up front here. It was Whipple. He was puffing as he broke through the front line of bystanders and came to a stop in front of Jeff. Ah, there's your money, you old flying wolf. Seventy-five dollars, I think. Let me see. Ten, twenty, twenty-five... Thirty, thirty-five, forty, forty-five, fifty-five, sixty, sixty-five, seventy, seventy-one, two, three, four, seventy-four, fifty, seventy-five, seventy-five dollars. 
Now, get that boy in the plane and get out of here, will you? Jeff looked at the packet of bills and silvered it. It took his hand. Well, come on, don't stand there like a ninny. Come on, take off, take off. This boy has to go to the hospital. Jeff picked up his helmet and started for the plane. And the stretcher bearers followed. Hartman hung back and spoke to Augustus. Gee, I... I, I thought for a minute you were just kidding me. Oh, thanks a million, mister. Augustus mopped his forehead with a red handkerchief. That's quite all right, quite all right, young fellow. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Glad to do it. A mere trifle. Hartman moved toward the plane. Gee, you're, you're certainly a wonderful fellow. You know, there ain't many guys who do what you did. Thanks again. I'll never forget you. Augustus stuffed the handkerchief back in his pocket. I think nothing of it, my friend. Think nothing of it. Help thy neighbor, that's what I always say. Give and thou shalt receive. Goodbye, my friend. The stretcher was in the plane. The motor was revved up. Augustus juggled his hat nervously and watched the crowd. Finally, the ship swung out onto the field, pointed into the wind, and took off. As it faded into the distance, Augustus breathed a sigh of relief and climbed up on the soapbox. And ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. It seems that some worthless blackguard circulated a vicious and totally unfounded rumor around the town. It is my unpleasant duty to inform you now that Tyrone Power will not be landing on this field today. In the open doorway of a boxcar on a westbound street, Augustus Vanderbilt Whipple sat alone and watched Annandale disappear around the bend. The fact that several of the town's leading citizens were by this time searching for lost pocketbooks was not bothering Augustus in the least. He dug into his pocket and pulled out the contents. Three pennies, a dime, a skeleton key, and a Canadian nickel. He put them back in his pocket. Then, Whirly took off his hat and looked into it for a long, long time. That's the yarn, The Very Honorable Augustus. Fun for you by one of America's top storytellers, Frank Graham. If you have a favorite story or a favorite star you'd like to hear in this series, write Armed Forces Radio Service, Los Angeles, USA. Dave Vale speaking. Arms for Yanks is produced by the Armed Forces Radio Service.
Welcome back. Well, a fun story, and and I think Augustus's voice clearly takes some inspiration from W.C. Fields, but I wouldn't necessarily call it an impression, but definitely somewhat inspired by Mr. Fields. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, this week's episode. Next week, we will be returning to Paul Freeze. If you do have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.